heartbeat, a drum, a very damp, isolated drum, a guitar, guitars, but they don't really sound like guitars. The classical influence, this Baroque sound, is very apparent straight out the gate. This literally sounds like string instruments. All thanks to that amp manipulation and Brian's lyrical guitar sound. Chains of fifths, chains of fourths, resolved suspensions, and shifting keys keep us guessing. It's intriguing. It's gorgeous. This is refined and polished and poised, very mature sounding. No lyrics here. In this little introduction of a teaser of a song, there's an archaic, almost Renaissance influence as we transition into a lighter shift with strong G major tonality, but it continues to maintain this mysterious arrangement and tone. Finally, it resolves in triplet mode with a literal sparkling beep and effect that begins the transition into the official first song of Queen 2. I am starting this off a little bit differently. Yes, I just took you through Procession, which is the lead teaser track on Queen's absolutely phenomenal Queen 2. I love this album so much that I had to reverse gears a little bit here and take you through the song first because I want to talk about this album. I know I didn't talk about Queen's debut as a whole piece. I talked about all the songs and that was always my intent with my deep dives is to talk about the songs, but I can't not talk about Queen 2. I have to talk about it because it is one of my favorite albums by the guys, if not my favorite. Seriously, it, it is constantly duking it out with a few of the other albums in their catalog for that very top spot. This album epitomizes Queen to me. When I think of them as artists, this is what I hear in my head. The way that they looked, that's what I see. This to me is Queen and how they always will be. Ladies and gents, Queen 2. And yes, it starts off with the beautiful procession, which, as I just said, is so refined, is so classical, is so ancient, is so different, right? Everything on Queen, on their debut album, Queen, was a little bit loud and impressive and all over the place and all over the top. And here, this starting track is the kickoff to the white side of the album. So let's go through procession. This is gonna be pretty quick because it's a little short number and that's very fitting because I want to go into more detail about the album Queen 2 as a whole. So this is Brian May's composition. This is dive number 11, by the way. This is an instrumental progressive funeral march. Yeah, super moody, moody May, super dramatic. And again, very refined. It's got a varied tempo. It's fairly slow in three, four time signature, though there's pauses and phrasing that lead to this very improvised feel. Lots of keys here. It's difficult to find the tonality. There's moments where it breaks out of the clouds, but generally we're floating from things like G minor to F major to D minor to C major to G major, and finally resolving on that gorgeous D major chord which transitions into the next song, which we'll talk about later. 
Musically, this is a melody and harmony rich, complex, Baroque esque, though it breaks with the rules of true Baroque composition. Pseudo classical intro, dramatically performed by Brian May on multi tracked guitar, a little bit of bass from John, and a heartbeat drum from Roger. Higher melodies take the lead most of the time with occasional trade-offs to lower sections. And there's excellent use of counterpoint, variation in suspended notes, key changes, and triplet arrangements here. This song was occasionally used as a concert intro in early performances to build anticipation when Queen were just starting to hit the road and just starting to make waves on the music scene. The topic, well, there's no lyrics in this, so this is all classical, rich, expressive, moody anticipation, all encapsulated in this gorgeous short track. Fun facts, Brian recorded this by playing overlapping parts on his Red Special through John's custom-made amplifier, the Deaky Amp. And of course, Roger contributes just a little bit to this instrumental using only a bass drum pedal. So that is all procession, like I said, short and sweet. And that's fantastic because I want to talk about Queen too. I don't know if I'm going to do this for all of the albums, but I think that this album deserves special attention in my dives because again, it's one of my very, very favorites from the guys. It holds a special place in my heart. It truly is the first obsession I had of any of their albums because here's the thing. When I first dove into Queen, I got two albums. And they actually came out a decade apart. I didn't plan this. It's just the ones I found. I got The Works, which came out in 84. And I got Queen 2, which came out in 74. When I got these albums and I started listening to them all the time, in the car, while I was running, you name it. I was listening to these albums all the time. The Works initially attracted me more. Which makes sense. It's a little bit poppier. It's much more radio-ready. I mean, it has Radio Gaga on it. (laughs) It's much more accessible. It's certainly not as rock. But suddenly, out of nowhere, much to my surprise, after listening over and over and over to Queen 2, I started to realize this album is a great running album, particularly towards the end of it. We'll talk about that more later. But the energy here, I loved it. And then I started to love it more. And then I realized the whole thing was fantastic. And I thought, this is really good. You guys, this album is good. I'm just going to say it. It blows the works out of the water. I know that might be controversial, but I am a 70s Queen fan for sure. And Queen 2 epitomizes them entirely for me. So Queen 2, let's talk about it some more. It was released March 8th of 74. It was recorded August 73 through February of 74. It charted number five in the UK, number 49 in the US. Not bad considering the guys didn't even have a hit single when this was released. Some band comments about the album. Brian said, Led Zeppelin and The Who are probably in Queen 2 somewhere because they were among our favorite groups. But what we are trying to do differently from either of those groups is this layered sound, right? So they were aware that they were influenced by these bands that they loved, but they wanted to make it theirs. They wanted to make it the Queen's sound, make it something their own. So they talked about 
pushing studio techniques to new limits. And Brian emphasizes that it was fulfilling all our dreams because we didn't have much opportunity on the first album. Roger mentions the over-the-top production. This is numerous times, too. I'm sure that all of them talked about the -the over-the-top production of Queen 2. And apparently, Roger also hated the Queen 2 title. Can't say I blame him there. It's pretty unoriginal. John acknowledged how nice it was to appear in the charts, and Freddie emphasized the lack of a special meaning with the white and black or light and dark album concept, that it wasn't really intentional. They were just exploring those ideas. And of course, the album idea, the white and the black, was reflected in their wardrobe at the time. And it's quite funny, actually, if you look at a lot of pictures of the band, I'm not just talking shoots for the albums, I'm talking just in general press events, etc. It was very often you'd see one of them wearing black when the other ones were wearing white or vice versa. And I can think of at least several instances where Roger is the one who stands out from the other three. I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just what happened. Whatever the reason, they wore a lot of black and white amongst them in those days, in those mid-70s days. Initially, critical reception was very mixed here, despite lots of publicity performances such as BBC Special and lots of promo. The music press criticized the band for being, quote, excessive and self-indulgent, unquote. (sighs) Isn't that what music is for? (laughs) Aren't you supposed to express yourself a little too much and be really, really emotional? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. NME stated the record showcased, quote, all their power and drive, their writing talents, and every quality that makes them unique, unquote. Thank you. That is, a, that is an accurate statement. I absolutely agree with that assessment. And interesting, by the end of 74, the album was ranked by Disc as the fifth best of the year. More recently, this album was called A Pillar of Grandiose Assaultive hard rock by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I like that. Assaultive rock. I like that a lot, actually. Lots of fun facts about this album, you guys. It is the heaviest Queen album. And this is all the more reason why I'm super surprised it is one of my favorites. Because guys, I was not a heavy rock fan. I wouldn't even say that now. I would never say to someone, oh yeah, I, I love heavy rock or heavy metal. But I love Queen. Because it's Queen. It's different. It's not really heavy rock, right? There's just something about them that kind of makes them distinct against all the other rock. I can't explain it. I've talked about this at length before. If you guys are fans, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's just Queen. So I love a hard, heavy rock album. Side white, side black, featuring softer, more reflective compositions from Brian and aggressive, fantastical tracks from Freddie, respectively. So again, this is something that they didn't really plan. It was just the way the tracks worked out. I imagine they had a lot of songs they'd written and they just chose the ones that were the best. And ultimately, they ended up being kind of distinctive from one another. So they just organized them in a way that it made sense. And it turned into a concept album of sorts, unexpectedly, but maybe that worked out for them. Mick Rock photographed the iconic album cover, the very often copied, loved, reused album cover with the harsh lighting from the top and the strong shadows. It was inspired 
in style by a Marlene Dietrich photo from a 1932 Shanghai Express. It's interesting that when they shot this picture, the idea was to make the guys look like a bigger deal than they were. Because when Queen came out, when their debut came out, and Keep Yourself Alive didn't really do much, and as I once heard Roger say, it resoundingly crashed, they didn't have a whole lot going for them. They had pockets of followers that loved them, but they didn't have a huge reputation yet. And the idea was to bring them out with a bang, make them look huge, make them look like a big deal. Freddie's big concern was, is it fabulous? He probably said, is it fabulous, darling? I can totally imagine that. And of course it is fabulous. The guys look great in it. They look beautiful in it. I mean, seriously, it's a gorgeous photo. Everybody knows this picture. There's a reason that everybody emulates it and imitates it. I've seen so many Christmas cards, <laughs> holiday pictures where people do this cosplay and just look like queen with their dogs in it. It's hilarious. But it was all about image and presenting something that was a big deal. And they thought about this extensively with the lead single as well. Keep Yourself Alive, right? It had that long guitar intro, which in some cases, a long instrumental intro can do you a world of good. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. That intro is so long. It's simple. It's a drum beat, a little bit of bass, a little bit of synth, but it's pretty amazing isn't it? It makes you tap your foot. It makes you bob your head. Michael specifically said, no, you cannot cut that intro down because I want to dance to it. That's what makes me want to dance. And he was right. It worked. The song was huge. Everybody loved it. And unfortunately, that didn't work with Keep Yourself Alive. So with their single off of Queen 2, which we'll talk about later, they took a very different approach. Everything was much more calculated here because they'd had a feel for the way things had gone thus far, and they had more freedom here and I think more control over how some things went as well. Good thing that they did what they did. And this album stands out in so many ways, not just because the cover is so great, but in retrospect, it's actually an amazing groundbreaking album for the band. It's the first album to contain elements of the band's signature sound of multi-layered overdubs, vocal harmonies, and lots of musical styles. Queen 2 recording began in August 73, just weeks, weeks after the debut album Queen was released. And because of the 1973 oil crisis, manufacturing was delayed of the Queen 2 album for several months. This album includes the band's first hit single, which hit number 10 in the UK. And it includes the comment, quote, and nobody played synthesizer again, unquote, on the album sleeve. And this was a thing that Brian particularly wanted because some people mistook his elaborate multi-tracking effects and such, both on the guitar and the vocals themselves as synthesizers. My opinion about this album, besides absolutely loving it and being such a huge fan, ferocious and elegant. IGN Music made this comment in 2008, and I concur. This album, again, epitomizes early Queen to me, really all of Queen, and is how I see and perceive them myself. They finally had full-time proper studio access to make this, which allowed them to put everything they could imagine onto this album. 
Their potential, their energy, the elaborate tendencies, and those dramatic arrangements are fully realized here. You can hear the enthusiasm throughout the whole album. It's like the boys were finally let loose to do their thing after being kept on such a short leash. Sure, it's over the top, but it's worth it. The tape transparencies were worth it. Many, many rock artists, bands, and fans recognize this album as one of Queen's absolute best, especially in retrospect. It doesn't contain any notable hit songs, no, and it remains an overlooked album by casual fans, but its influence, intrigue, style make a huge gong of a sound in the music world. And really, what we have on Queen 2 as far as songs, is a vast collection of projects that were being worked on for years. So Queen 2 was recorded 73-74, dropped in 74, but there's songs on here that were started when Freddie was in another band called Wreckage in the 60s. I mean, these guys had stuff just sitting, just waiting for the right moment, just waiting for the brilliance of the four of them together to come along, and here it is. I love this album. I absolutely love it. I usually listen to it from start to finish. It is pristine. It is awesome. It is glorious. It is loud. Yes, it's heavy. It's very dark, actually. It's quite dark. A lot of the subject matter here is reflective, depressing. I mean, there's something on here that reminds me of Radiohead. (laughs) It's a very distant in some ways, nostalgic, but it's all good stuff. It's extremely well done songwriting, much more poised than the first album, which felt a little bit more experimental. Interesting that I think that because I think a lot of people would say this is far and away one of their most experimental albums simply because it's very glam rock, right? It's very progressive rock. We have a lot of glamour and Again, gorgeousness injected into the heavy stuff here. And that's why I love it. The only thing we're missing is a solid John composition. We even have a song from Raj here. It's only one, but we do have a song from Roger here. We have lots of songs from Brian, lots of songs from Freddie. John, where are you? Well, he's coming on the next album. And we will have fun breaking down his stuff. I love breaking down songs that are not Brian's or Freddie's because. They were prolific as writers and contributed the most, but it's nice to change it up and have something a little bit different with Roger or John. But here we are with Queen 2. I am so excited to get into this album deeper. And as I said, Procession just kicks it off before everything just takes off. Seriously, the next song we're going to talk about is going to blow your mind. Mm, it's so fantastic. I've got some cool facts to share about that one as well. In the meantime, have fun. Do something great for yourself, for the people you love. And I will be back with more dives and more goodness. So keep yourselves alive. 